Support for this podcast is brought to you by Griswold's Family Event Planning Services. Are you looking to plan the perfect family vacation but don't want to deal with the stress that comes with it? Or perhaps you want to throw a quiet, old-fashioned family Christmas at home but you simply don't have the time to plan it? Call up Clark Griswold, who will arrange all of the details of your events down to the last detail. Whether it's coming up with a travel itinerary for your trip to Europe or providing a perfectly cooked turkey for your Christmas Eve dinner, you'll never have to worry about your plans going awry if you put your trust into Griswold Family's event planning services. Use promo code TISTAPOD for 20% off your first planned event. Enjoy the show. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to this episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom. And we're back. And we're close to Christmas, guys. Thanksgiving was awesome. Thanksgiving was awesome. What did you guys Thanksgiving do? Thanksgiving was awesome. It was great. Lots of food. <laughs> Just tons of food. What else is there to do on Thanksgiving? Well, food I and ran, parade. I ran the five-mile turkey trot in 20 minutes, so new record for me. That's wow. amazing. Well done. Five, five miles, man. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> well done. <laughs> did you guys see the uh, Thanksgiving episode of Modern Family? I did. That was hilarious. How Claire won the, the Claire run the won the five K. Yep. I loved it. But for Thanksgiving, <laughs> me and Sarah just watched all the friends Thanksgiving episodes because they have the best Thanksgiving episodes. Yes. Stovetop this What's year your- has turkey eating pants. Did you see those? <gasps> do they really? <laughs> they really do. That's they, amazing. They they have these like stretchable turkey pants. <laughs> the, I mean, also they, they did, maternity pants. <laughs> they didn't call them maternity or turkey eating, but all I could think of when I saw the ad was uh, Joey. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, well, guys, I'm really excited this week because we're covering one of my favorite movies. Not just favorite Christmas movies, but favorite movies: National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I feel like all of these episodes for me have been leading up to this moment where we get to talk about the Griswolds and my favorite dysfunctional family. Anthony, you have a plot synopsis, I believe. You mind reading that? Sure. As the holidays approach, Clark Griswold wants to have a perfect family Christmas, complete with a hand-selected Christmas tree and the house decked out in lights. However, things go quickly awry, as they often do when family is in town for the holidays including an unplanned visit from his redneck cousin, Eddie. Even worse, Clark's employers reneges on Christmas bonuses, putting Clark's swimming pool plans in jeopardy. Thank you. That plot summary does not do the movie justice. It really doesn't. No, so you can thank, uh, you can thank the Googles for that. So, before we get into the amazing cast 
and, and the amazing details of this amazing movie that was not done justice by the plot synopsis. Although great job reading it, Anthony. Thank you. Let's talk about our histories with this movie because I'm always excited about this part, but I'm like extra excited about our histories with this movie because I think it's definitely one of those that can have some, some pretty big nostalgia attached to it. So Anthony, what's your history with this movie? Um, well, I have no nostalgia attached to this because I only saw it for the first time a few years ago. Um, not for, not for any particular reason. I mean, I could have watched it, but I just, <laughs> the previews for it um, never, you know, did anything for me. Yeah. And I watched it for the first time on ABC Family when it was still ABC Family mm-hmm. a few years ago. Purely because all the other channels had crappy Christmas movies on that I wasn't a fan of. So I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I want to watch something. I've never seen this. Let me give it a try. And I loved it. Like Home Alone, (laughs) which I saw later in life, I was upset. It was never part of my Christmas canon growing up in all these years. And it definitely is now. And yeah, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. So no nostalgia attached either. So there's that. That's like a double whammy. Yep. That, that you love it that much without nostalgia. Also, I know I had never seen any of the vacation movies before wow. that. That's shocking. Right. That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> about you, Tom? Um, I don't really remember Christmas without National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, as a kid... I remember seeing it several times, and uh, uh, there were some funny parts. But as I got older, the movie definitely – I mean, it, just, it got funnier and funnier. And still, when I watch it every year, it just new, – new things make me laugh. Yeah, what do you think of all of the other Lampoon movies, National Lampoon movies? Um, I like all the older ones. The newer one with um, Ed Helm, I'm still not sure about. I haven't I've seen, seen it. I've seen Was it that twice. a sequel? Like an official sequel? Didn't he play Rust? He did play Russ, and Clark was still his dad. Or, and oh, yeah. Chevy they cameoed, right? And Beverly D'Angelo were both in it when they went to see the, their, his parents, yeah. And the whole thing was built around trying to re- – I mean, it was very self-aware. Um, his goal was to reinvent those family vacations that he had, and he makes a lot of references to them. I'd like to know what you guys think I, about it, if you all do. Um, so for – my history with National Lampoon is a lot like Tom's. I don't remember a Christmas without it. Um, my dad has always loved this movie and my brother as well. Um, so I just always remember it being on. And now that I think about that, there's a lot of questionable material <laughs> in this movie, given the fact that I watched it as a kid. But I kind of like with Batman and some of the other movies we've talked about when you're a kid, a lot of stuff gets glossed over that you don't get. So I have a much bigger appreciation for it now because it makes me laugh in ways it never did as a kid, which is probably a good thing. Um, but it is one of the funniest movies I have ever seen, and it continues to be hilarious. That's never lost on me. And it helps that I married somebody that loves this movie as much as I do. So it's... Way to go, Marty. One of my very favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just one of my very favorites. This is um, definitely not a so, movie that I need to watch around Christmas time. Um, I could watch this movie. I mean, most movies I can, but this one especially, I could watch any time of the year and just be completely content. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I'm not a massive fan of all of the other National Lampoons. Like, I can watch them if they're on, but like this one, 
I just I liked I the original. I liked the first one, like the National Poon's Family Vacation. Yeah, yeah. Is I didn't really world? like. Yep, yeah, I didn't really like European. <laughs> and Vegas Vacation was just. Oh, I hated that one. Oh yeah. I yeah. Like Why well, do I don't ever remember Vegas Vacation because I think I've only seen it once or twice and I've not been impressed. Yeah. Well, it's definitely the worst of the four. Christmas is definitely the best, but I may be biased with the love for the holiday. No, no, it really is. The, the, and I think as we're going to get into yeah. discussing scenes and quotes, I mean, it is one of the, the best comedies of all times. I will yeah. say this. There are a few things I do have trouble with in this movie. Uh-oh. Oh, well, I'm interested to hear that when we talk about our likes and dislikes. Did you hear that, Julia? Like I genuinely am. Did you hear that gauntlet fall? I did. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to imagine you have any issues with the movie with the the clout it has behind it, like this one does. So um, it came out in 1989. The director, Jeremiah Chechik, if I'm saying that correctly, um, not as well known as the writer of the movie, but still did some stuff. He's got a ton of TV credits to his name. He also did the movie Tall Tale, um, Benny and June, which I love Benny and June. I love that movie. And um, the Avengers, the Rafe Fiennes Avengers movie. You're giving me a face. I, you don't like Benny and June, Tom? I love Benny and June. I hadn't seen it oh, until, um, okay. until after Christine and I were married, and she made me watch it one day, and I, I, I just oh, I love it. <laughs> I have yeah, a guilty a pleasure for the Avengers with Rafe Fiennes and Uma Thurman. I do. I love Rafe like Fiennes. That. I'll watch anything that he's in for sure. Yeah, yeah we, have, we have a legit Harry like, Potter reference already. <laughs> It's yeah. been weeks since we've had a legit Harry Potter reference. <laughs> so the writer of this movie is where I think the real talent is. Um, John Hughes. And if you haven't heard of John Hughes, then you haven't listened to one other episode of our podcast. Um, Home alone. All, it's just all good things. Yeah, all good things with John Hughes. I mean, Pretty in Pink and Home Alone. Candles. Breakfast Club. This one I think is interesting because it it has that John Hughesy feel to it, but in a, a different light. Given that it's not a group of younger, you know, kids and and coming of age as much as it is a family story. He wasn't the biggest fan of the other vacation movies. He only agreed to do this one because he had a story idea. But he said the other vacation movies were nothing more than a vehicle for Chevy Chase to show off. But no, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so I read some random trivia that I can't remember now that said. Um, Somebody was initially tapped to work on this. Was it Chris Columbus was initially tapped to do it, but said that he absolutely would not, could not work with Chevy Chase. And so he decided to do Home Alone instead. Yes, that's correct. Listen to episode three when we discussed that as well. Yeah, I think we got into like a five minute conversation about it. My bad joke that I didn't make last time is that he's definitely my favorite Christopher Columbus. You should have made that last time. I, th- I think you made some, definitely made some Columbus, Chris Columbus jokes. So. I did, but not, not, I think that one's pretty golden. So you have a great writer. You have a really good director. I mean, I think he did a great job directing the movie. 
Um, and that is going to take us right into characters. Um, that's the strength of this movie. I feel like, I mean, it's, it's a great story and all of that, but it's brilliantly carried out with the Griswold family and all of their uniqueness. So Clark Griswold is the patriarch of the family played by Chevy Chase. Um, he's built for this role. And I know we've talked in the past about how after this movie, I can't see Chevy Chase in any other role. This is his role for me. Mm-hmm. The man can simmer like a, you know, like a tea kettle, like nobody I've ever seen quite in my life, except my dad. And I think that's probably why I like the movie so much because he reminds me of my father. But Chevy Chase, hilarious. Um, Ellen Griswold's wife, played by Beverly D'Angelo, who I also think is great. Um, I don't know that I'm a huge fan of hers with other stuff that she's done, but this one, um, I quite heard, enjoy her in this role. Have y'all really enjoyed her in anything else? I did. She was in a 1997 movie uh, that was directed and uh, written by Greg Araki called Nowhere, which is the worst movie ever made. And uh, she was pretty stellar in it. Oh, boy. I'll tell you, the, the hot movie, is it? The, no, no. The, the, the high point of it is when a guy gets beaten to death with a can of Campbell's tomato soup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't ruin that Christmas commercial for me, Tom. I swear <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> So Beverly D'Angelo, basically this is the high point of her career. Um, you also have the two Griswold kids, Audrey and Rusty, played respectively by Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki. So Juliette Lewis is a great career. Um, she's definitely a fairly unique actress. And actually, Tom, you've met her, haven't you? I did. I did. I saw her from afar, but you actually met her. Oh, you didn't get to meet her there? No, uh-uh, she didn't come by my booth. Oh, but yeah, tell the story because it's pretty cool. Oh, my wife puts on an indie holiday uh, uh, art, craft, and fashion show, or she did for ten years. And uh, Juliet Lewis came one year, so we got to talk to and visit with her. And it was pretty. She was a pretty cool lady. I liked her. I liked her a lot more than I did when we met the same year. We met Joan Cusack. You met Joan Cusack mm-hmm. in Chicago. <gasps> She's Renegade not very Chicago. friendly. No, not at all. Oh. I know it was that makes me sad. She made a big mess of Christine's tea towels and walked away. <gasps> That's rude. That's so rude. Has she been in a Christmas movie? <laughs> I'm sure she has. I bet she's been in one of those Hallmark movies. That's what I was thinking. She <laughs> oh, she's going to be. She's going to be in the Christmas train that Disco 54 told us about. That's why I think she's going to be in a Christmas movie because <laughs> she is, in fact, going to be in a Christmas movie that just debuted the other day on Thanksgiving. We all have not watched it yet, so we're behind the ball, but we're going to very soon. There are a handful of very colorful, very memorable, loved characters in this movie. Oh, wait, can I just say about Johnny Galecki? He had a big TV career. He was in Roseanne and The Big Bang Theory. I love him. It still is in the big, yeah, I love Johnny Galecki. I totally skipped him. Yeah, I love Johnny Galecki. I love anybody on The Big Bang Theory. And Um, he's the best Rust in all the movies. I totally agree. He's my favorite Rusty. 100%. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's really funny to watch the uh, the Big Bang Theory and this in the same week. It's really funny to watch this back to back with the other vacation movies because he was older in the other vaca- the prior vacation movies and then became the younger brother. Really? Yep. <gasps> it, more proof that this is very much a standalone movie, I feel like. And it you totally guys, is. Like you guys know he's a... You guys know he's a foreigner, an immigrant who came here and stole good American jobs, right? Is he a Canad? Is he from Canada? He's from Belgium. Oh, is he really? Yeah. He's got cooler. 
he is really he is really cool. <laughs> I, I, I seriously, um, I like that. He's one of those guys. I like everything he's ever done. He was even in a he had a, a, a part in Vanilla Sky, right? Wasn't he in Vanilla Sky? Oh, um, I don't know. I blocked that movie out of my brain after I saw really? it. I hate Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Tom, not Cruise, a Tom Cruise fan. Well, I don't know. The only thing I can watch many more than Mission Impossible. I can't watch Mission Impossible because he's in it. Really? But I you never could liked watch Mission Sky? Impossible. You never liked Mission Impossible? No. Oh, I did I like Top Gun movies. as a kid, though. And he was in Vanilla Sky. I just looked it up. Okay, I thought he was. Yeah. Cousin Eddie in this movie <laughs> is a fairly, um, fairly memorable character played by Randy Quaid. I would maybe go so far as to say he is the most quoted character in this movie. Maybe. If not most quoted, he's most visually recognizable character. He's definitely the most visually recognizable. I think Clark's more quotable, personally. You do? I do. I really have more Clark quotes. I don't know if it was intended or not, but he definitely stole the show through several of the scenes. He did. Absolutely. I love his and Clark's relationship. Yeah. (laughs) He has no clue Clark can't stand him at all. He's like a golden retriever that's obnoxious and still loves his owner that can't stand him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You also have Todd and Margot, who are the neighbors that live next to the Griswolds that are constantly frustrated by the Griswolds and and frustrate Clark to a certain extent. Played by Nicholas Guest, who I don't know that he did anything else. He was Todd. Um, but very memorably, Julia Louis-Dreyfus played Margo. She is one of my favorite actresses of all time. I love Seinfeld. I love Veep. She can do no wrong in my mind. New Adventures but, of Christine was really an underrated show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I liked it, too. But yeah, we arrived phenomenal. at my first problem with this movie. I don't like these neighbor, the neighbor's characters. You could lift them out of the movie, and it would be the same exact movie. You say you don't felt, like them? Just because I I thought the scenes of them are funny, but you could lift, they have no bearing on the film or the plot of the film. You could lift out their seven minutes combined screen time and nothing would change at all. You would, you would really miss out on not just one of the best quotes in the entire movie, but some pretty darn good scenes. For but, but nothing would change as far as the no, overall plot. No, of the film. they don't really impact the plot. At I all, felt like but. they were padding. Which, when you look at the overall running time, is that with credits, it's only an hour and 37 minutes. And when you take out right. that long opening animation, which I love, uh, right. you know, you pro- you're probably down to like an hour 20 or so. So they probably need that extra 10 minutes with the neighbors just to make a feature land. Probably. But- and I think it's interesting to, um, given the director of the movie, I talked about how he had, ex- he had an extensive, he has an extensive tv career tons of different shows episodes all of that stuff and this movie feels very episodic it's it's bites and it's scenes and it's broken broken up by the advent calendar which by the way watching krampus i forgot that they took the advent calendar from national lampoon because i got Ah, the griswold comparisons and like the other national lampoon in you know references but the calendar i totally forgot yeah it was from here so. so I think since it's broken up kind of like that without, which I don't even necessarily think that it feels choppy. I think it totally works for this because it is kind of that glimpse into a family's life. And I, that's maybe why Todd and Margot works more for me where I can pass over the whole, they're not really, you know, necessary to the plot. 
But, I'm surprised because you said it's episodic. I'm surprised given how popular this was in the late 80s and early 90s to do, they never tried spinning off the Griswolds into some kind of TV show. Because every late 80s movie, they tried to. And like you said, this movie is very episodic. Like they probably could have if you got a good writer done it. But I'm surprised they never made the attempt to, as far as I know. Harry and the Hendersons did. And I got to admit, I actually liked that TV show, that two season TV show. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I never saw this show, but I love that movie. It was very like bewitched, you know, they had to keep, or Alf, they had to keep Harry from the neighbors and always mm-hmm. hide him. And yeah, but nice. I liked it. I'm a sucker for that type of stuff. So they did, I know they didn't spin this into a show, but they did do, uh, they did spin this, this particular movie off into a sequel. So good. 13 or 14 years later, they did Christmas Vacation 2. Oh, the horrible Christmas Vacation 2. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. Christmas Vacation to Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. Oh, dear. This is where you have a good thing, you put it down, you walk away. Didn't you say one month next year, in the upcoming year, we should do a month of horrible sequels? I do think we should, and this one will definitely have to be on it. This one, Jingle All the Way to A Christmas Story 2. Wait, wait, wait. There was a Jingle All the Way 2? There was, with um, Larry the the Cable Guy, I believe it was. No. Oh, what? That's going to be fun. So those two, A Christmas Story 2, and we need to find a fourth, and then we have our month of horrible sequels. Oh my god, I just looked up the cover for Jingle all the way to, and I, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I told you, it's it's not not pretty. It's not pretty. So rounding out our cast... Clark's parents, because part of the plot, both sets of parents come to visit. So Clark's parents are played by John Randolph and Diane Ladd, both who have pretty um, impressive acting careers. And Ellen's parents are played by E.G. Marshall and Doris Roberts, also both amazing careers. So I love that they got notable, recognizable people to play the parents. I love Doris Roberts. I do too. Yeah. I didn't realize from a kid, I just uh, started watching some of the old episodes of Full House. She was on Full House. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Me neither. She was Danny's mom. Oh, I totally missed that. And I loved Full House. So for she's decades, a great mom. she's been playing the overbearing mother. <laughs> yes, she has. <laughs> I loved how the parents of each set, like each parent set, you could tell went with that person. Like yeah. Clark's parents are so sweet and loving and all of that. And Ellen's parents are just like, you hate them a little bit. So, um, and then I added also um, Clark's boss in the movie, Frank Shirley is played by Brian Doyle Murray. Um, and I primarily added him because he was in Scrooge. And isn't he Bill Murray's brother? He's Bill Murray's brother? Really? I thought he was. Really? Because he's also in Groundhog Day. I'm looking it up right now. I don't believe that. They look nothing alike. I just, I thought he was. Siblings, Bill Murray. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so he. I'm looking that up. I don't believe it. Siblings. Wow, I like that. <laughs> well, that's funny because he's also you, in Caddyshack, Scrooge. So he's been in a lot of Bill Murray stuff. And yeah. they they look nothing alike, so I never would have put them together. So he's the jerk boss, which he's really good at playing that jerky character because he was a jerk and Scrooge as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So. He's the boss, and I also added that Lewis, which is a great grandparent in the movie, I believe. 
um, is real cranky, but I added him in here too because it's not his first. Well, it maybe was his first Christmas movie, but it wasn't his only Christmas movie because he was a voice in The Nightmare Before Christmas. So we've already had a little introduction to him. I'm sorry. Did you know Brian Doyle Murray? You might, because you have kids. You both have kids. Was in, did a voice on SpongeBob SquarePants for years. It's weird. I hate that show. It's really obnoxious. I hate. And it's coming to Broadway. They're debuting their opening number in the Macy's Day Parade. They're oh going to defile gosh. Broadway with SpongeBob SquarePants. Broadway's going to be another Spider-Man. They've been defiling Broadway for years. I'm, it's just this lack of creativity and originality that's plaguing our entertainment culture. Okay, so we have an amazing cast. We have a great director and writer. So let's break down the plot just a little bit because I'm interested to hear some of Anthony's other qualms with the movie. Wait, my other qualm is a character you didn't even put in the characters. Who? My other big qualm, the ant. I the know it. ant. Can't stand her. Come on. She wrapped her cat Who? in a box. How can you not love her? And yeah, what was her name? Bethany. Aunt Bethany. No, I, for me, I, like, okay, she was good at first, but the whole patriotic shtick, I didn't like it. I thought that was a stupid way to end a Christmas movie, having them say the pledge or whatever when Santa was flying through the air. <laughs> like, end a I Christmas love- movie on a Christmas note. Sorry, that did nothing for me. It was a total downer. Like, that deducted, oh. spoiler alert for my rankings, that deducted a whole point for me. Are you serious? That yeah. one thing? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Wow. She's so senile. And it, it's just like, well, but okay, so. So this, I have to say, this, um, Christine's great-grandmother, uh, or I'm sorry, um, so I have to say, Christine's grandmother lived with her parents, uh, and she had a late-stage Alzheimer or dementia, and um, I could totally see her doing a weird patriotic pledge thing at an inappropriate time. Oh, and no, I, I I, I'm not saying it's not believable, but I'm just saying don't end a Christmas movie on a patriotic note. End it on a Christmas note. And I've got the... the Funny things people do. My favorite thing I, I learned from her, um, she taught us when God closes the door, he chases a deer. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm, I'm very serious. That was just randomly one day. She's like, well, when God closes the door, he chases a deer. <laughs> oh, I love that. We need to have Christine put that on a detail. <laughs> well, okay, so this movie is very character driven, right? Because at the heart of it, it is about family, um, which is why I think we like Clark so much, right? So Clark is this kind of, I don't want to say he's clueless because he's really not. He's he very well intentioned. He's extremely well intentioned. He loves his family. He is very passionate about making this Christmas time all about family and embracing every moment. And I love that about him. It's the same reason I like Buddy from Elf. It's that spirit of Christmas and Clark really has it. But teetering on the edge of that Christmas spirit is sort of that feeling that a lot of us have around the Christmas season as well, where you feel like you're just about to snap and lose it with everybody in your family, which is why I think this movie is so hilarious because it's about a dysfunctional family. So, you know, I find really interesting about Clark. He remains a sympathetic character throughout and, you know, this lovable, well-intentioned guy we can all relate to. 
despite the fact that they had like a three minute scene with him wandering eyes and being really pervy and flirty with the mall uh, underwear. Woman. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like I and later with the pool. The pool. And, the pool? But that yeah. was a daydream. Like, so like the mall, when he, when he was talking to an actual woman is like interested in me more like, okay, he's like this really good family man guy. And here he is blatantly flirting without, with this woman saying he divorced his wife or whatever. She's a widow. She's dead. God rest her soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that scene is so funny to me, but it's always the one that I'm kind of like, I wonder if I could do without this scene because yeah, it is an interesting, I could totally do it. Like change of his character. Right. It's not like it's the most out of character. I feel moment right. for him. But you know what scene, since you brought up like a scene you could do without, I'll tell you the other, my one other problem with this movie. So I mentioned two. My one other Mm -hmm. problem is the sledding scene. Mm. What's your problem with the sledding scene? That (laughs) it's movie perfection? Too broad, (laughs) too over the top. What? So I watched watched this movie. I watched this movie on the train this morning and then I you know, finished it in between throughout the day at work. But when I got this to this scene, like I'm laughing the whole way and then the scene sh- comes up and I'm like, it's too, I'm not a fan of really, really broad over the top comedy. And that one overdid it, especially in a, the rest of the movie is so relatable with the whole family dynamics and the, you know, stress of the holidays, this moment where, you know, he takes off like a rocket and he's, you know, going through snow blanks and flying across the highway it just felt overly broad for me and i felt like i could have done without it or i could have done with a more realistic version of that scene i sort of feel like clark griswold doesn't do not over the top like all he does is over the top but in everything over the top even for him well but no i thought it fit him plus i love that scene because you get really good eddie interaction with the metal plate in his head that part was really good it was when he took off down the hill that's when (laughs) okay hard pressed to find me having problems with almost anything in this movie well, but that scene is hilarious to me so let me ask because you it this. kind of it's that physical humor that that chevy chase is so good at too he got to exhibit a little bit of but that. see for me facial there is a huge difference between that type of physical humor which just fell flat for me and then one of my favorite scenes in this film when they're sitting around eating the dry turkey and he's chewing on it and like hurt, like drinking the wine and water to try to moisten it. And he just has a really over the top smile on his face, trying to enjoy hilarious. So that to me was a quote unquote realistic over the top versus the, the movie just went so broad. Like this guy literally slid down an entire mountain across the highway and crashed in the parking lot of Walmart or wherever it was. I love that vintage Walmart sign in the background. I love that scene because I just, I, it feels like to me, like it fits Clark very much. But can, like we're going to go sledding. No, we're not just going to go sledding. We're going to go sledding with this super fast thing that I'm going to row on the bottom of the sled. It's going to be the fastest thing ever. And But can you give me Clark. an example, either of you, of any scene, other scene in this movie that's as broad and over the top? Because Clark takes everything over the top, and even his wife said it in that one scene in bed. But yeah. I'm talking about the movie itself going so broad. So, like the over the top with the Christmas lights, that's realistic to me. The over the top 
getting the biggest tree and inviting everyone over for family dinner and the turkey and everything. All that's realistic, relatable, over the top. The opening of the Christmas tree, the way everything starts popping and breaking and popping out and the squirrel and everything, that was pretty over the top too. And but I, to, I can't believe that. I mean, the, the, the glass breaking that easily is really not believable. That's true. <laughs> but weak windows. But I'm, <laughs> see, I think that's where my problem is because that's still within the realm of possibility, whereas I don't see anyone going to sled, slide down a mountain and literally you greased up your sled so well, a fireball erupts from the back of it. You're going so fast. Have you, you have you ever used that that go grease? miles? <laughs> the fake food grease? No. Well, maybe you shouldn't knock it till you try it, Anthony. So no, the <laughs> the, the, the scene just did literally nothing. That wow. the see the sledding itself. I do like the pre sledding when he's talking with Eddie. What about the post sledding when when Eddie goes bingo? <laughs> uh, I felt like that was like, no. Well, I don't think it was over top, over the top in a way that wasn't believable for Clark Griswold for me. But again, I'm extremely biased because this movie can do no wrong in my eyes. So what are y'all? So we've expressed, I've expressed before how much I love dysfunctional family stories. Are y'all typically a fan? Cause this definitely is not the only Christmas movie that's about a dysfunctional family. We've talked about a few. And we've talked about when that works and when that doesn't. Arthur Christmas. Family at the beginning, not, does not work for me. Dysfunctional family, yes. Does it work for me? No. But up until this point, like the Arthur Christmas family was dysfunctional and that worked for me, even though we know it didn't work for Anthony or Tom in the same way it worked for me. But in general, do y'all like stories with dysfunctional families at Christmas time yes. or not? In general, the more dysfunctional a family, the more entertaining it is because it provides some natural conflict. And I'm not, to, I'm not talking Santa's sleigh dysfunction. I'm talking National Lampoon, even Elf right. to an extent, you know, around that table. Where there's like a foundation of these people love each other. Right. But it's just a little hard to be around right, right. somebody that long in this setting. Yes. Exactly. I totally I love because I think it's so relatable. You know, I mean, you're putting all of these people who you see once, twice a year, or something like that, in a confined space, and it—it's it, <laughs> a powder keg, and, and there inevitably something's going to happen. Um, and I just like to watch it happen. I have to talk about my favorite scene, though. Even though it's ridiculously over the top, I love it when the Christmas tree opens. I really do. When they when they when they cut the Christmas tree and it starts popping out and everything's. I love that, and then I love uh, uh, when Clark comes out with the chainsaw <laughs> to the neighbors that Anthony loves. <laughs> I did love that scene. I did love that scene when he comes out with the chainsaw. I um, so let's, my favorite yeah, scene. Let's talk about favorite scenes, favorite quotes. My so favorite scenes are the Christmas lights going on and off, how excited he is, and then they keep turning off inside the house, and he's gets so frustrated mm-hmm. i just find that so funny and i especially remember you know obviously i'm still pretty young but like in the 90s like now they make the lights one goes out the whole tree doesn't go out but in the 90s they still were making them where one goes out the strand goes out because i remember many times my dad getting frustrated and having to grab the ladder out of the garage and just twist each light one by one trying to find which light went out of the house <laughs> i so remember i could we, totally sorry we had one of those fancy testers and that was fun 
I was sold that that was a game. So as a kid, that would be a game to go through and try to test and see which one was out. How much do you think his electricity bill was? Oh, God. Well, I mean, just the fact that they had to... Was it like a nuclear reactor where they had to flip the switch again because his his lights were taking so much power? I mean, well done. It looked gorgeous. It did look gorgeous. There was a house here in town, and we would never know how to describe, tell people where it was. It was uh, out around 106th and Memorial. Anyway, you would go, and literally you'd be on the main road, and you would see the light radiating from this house from, you know, a half a mile away. It was amazing. Oh, my God. Fun fact about the National Lampoon House, it's – one of the houses across the street from the school in Hocus Pocus, when Max and Binks are talking, when Binks is in the tree after they killed the witches, yeah. their house is in the background. <gasps> no. That's so cool. Yep. That's so cool. Um, so while we're talking favorite scenes and quotes, so Tom mentioned the opening of the tree. That kind of segues right into one of my favorite scenes, which is where he has a sap on his fingers. <laughs> and the scene never fails to make me crack up. And it did when I was a kid too, because he's grabbing everything and his fingers are sticky and everything's sticking to his hands. And oh gosh, every time makes me laugh. I know I mentioned it briefly before, but I really, really like the animated opening with that version of, um, what's the song called? It's the Christmas Vacation song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Christmas Vacation, which yeah. that version is not available to buy anywhere, that specific cover. So you have to get like a cover that never sounds as, as good as that one, unless you illegally that. rip it from somewhere. But yeah, that version is not officially, you're not able to find it anywhere to buy. That's a super fun song. Yeah, it is. It immediately puts you in the mood. And yeah, and I love the animated open. As a kid, I always loved it. And now it's nostalgic to me. So that was the second movie. No, that was the third movie in 1989 that had an animated open. Um, the other two movies that had animated opens were Troop Beverly Hills, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's so good. That's a Shelley <laughs> Long, a, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Shelley Long. I yeah. watched the heck out of that movie when I was a kid. That was a cute movie. Like the heck out of it. I watch it now and I'm like, wow, this movie's really not that great. But man, I love that movie. Wait, so the nostalgia factor doesn't hold up for you? Or does it? Oh, no, it totally does. Okay. But I can see as an adult, I'm okay. like, wow, it's pretty cheesy. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, because you know, when you're an adult and you watch that stuff, you sort of put yourself in your parents' position mm -hmm. and you think, wow, I made my parents watch this movie a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> and I, they're really good parents. <laughs> Oh, so when him and Eddie are talking in the living room and he's like, can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead? <laughs> no, I'm doing just fine, Clark. Like, he just doesn't even let that phase him or doesn't understand <laughs> Clark he's hates so him. so oblivious. Oh, I love it. He's a different kind of innocent, isn't he? Yeah. Kind of that cool. That's a nice word to word. That's a nice word to describe him. Well, you know, but that's the thing. Like he's stupid and all of that, but like I like Uncle Eddie. He's, or I like Cousin Eddie. I, he's still a bit of a creep. He is. He took advantage of the shopping list. He did. He did. <laughs> but he's not he's not Uncle Frank in Home Alone to me. No, he's like, no longer he's no Uncle Frank. His freeloading is a little different. And it's funny, the whole movie, I don't come out disliking Cousin Eddie. No. I mean, think no. about what he does at the end when he gets Clark what he was asking for for Christmas. <laughs> okay. And, hey, he listens. In a hilarious, twisted way, that's like the sweetest thing. Like, 
I don't it know is. anyone who would kidnap my boss for me and force him to give me a bonus. He's Anthony. a simple-minded guy. Anthony. <laughs> yeah, Tom. I will be that guy. That's a verbal contract. I'm holding you to it. <laughs> Listeners, you heard it here. <laughs> so we've been real positive and upbeat so far. I'm going to take it down a notch and, and something I used to think was a lot funnier than I do now. Um, when Clark's talking to Eddie's daughter and uh, he says, I bet you like it here, huh? She said, I love it here. You don't got to put on your cloak to go to the bathroom and your house is always parked in the same place. That was really funny before, but now I'm oh, like, that is such a poor little girl. Can I piggyback <laughs> off that real quick, Julia? Because I have a quote yeah. that goes with that. Oh, totally. So, Clark is like, you know, he's trying to make the Christmas nice for Eddie's kids because he gets the feeling that, you know, they don't often get nice Christmases. Mm-hmm. So when they're sitting around the dinner table and he's like, hey, kids, I heard on the news that an airline pilot spotted Santa's sleigh on its way in from New York City. And the kids look so excited. And Eddie just does this, like, really serious look at Clark. And he's like, you serious, Clark? (laughs) That was my my next quote. That is a perennial (laughs) quote, by the way. How many times during the year do y'all use that quote? You serious, Clark? Yeah. We do. It's year-round here. Some of my favorite parts of the movie are when Clark loses it. Because his angry is extra funny. Um, So Ellen goes, Clark, I think it'd be best if everyone went home before things get worse. And Clark goes, worse? How could things get any worse? Take a look around, Ellen. We're in the threshold of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just like act out the whole screenplay? Yeah, we ought to. At the end. That should be our next Patreon. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. It should be our (laughs) Patreon. (laughs) I like it when everybody's everybody's upset and getting ready to leave. He said, where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out of this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no. We're all in this together. This is full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on. We're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny freaking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white derriere down the chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of rectums this side of the nut house. <laughs> <laughs> Darn, darn near killed. <laughs> I just love that. that oh, gosh. Happy, happy Christmas. It's being grumpy. Tap dance with Danny Kay. So I'm going to go for a sweet quote, not necessarily a funny one. And it's probably mm-hmm. the line we'll point to when we talk about whether this movie passes the lioness test. But when, it's, when they're all outside staring at what they think is the star... And he's like, it's a Chris and Clark is like, it's a Christmas star. And that's all that matters tonight. Not bonuses or gifts or turkeys or trees. See kids, it means something different to everybody. And now I know what it means to me. I really like that quote. I think that's oh, a sweet quote. That is sweet. Tom, you really want to throw away the uncle's response to that, don't you? Do it. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm not. Where I'm going is I love it when uh, uh, they get home with the tree. And Todd asks, hey, Griswold, where are you going to put a tree in that big? And he says, bend over and I'll show you. How dare, how dare you talk to me like that? I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, I'll do a Todd and Margot quote, too. Um, I like it when they get home and Todd's like, uh, and the carpet's all wet, right? And Todd's like, well, something had to come through the window. Something had to break the stereo. And Margo's like, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. That's why Todd and Margo when they're in the movie, Anthony. (laughs) It's like that. Let me preface this by saying... 
Todd and Margot serve more of a purpose than Jay and Ice did in Hocus Pocus, obviously. But oh, yeah, I would I'm going to use the same rebuttal one of you used when I quoted Jay and Ice and the joke with the ugly chicks in the Hocus Pocus episode. You said, yeah, that's a funny quote, but that's a lot of setup for one joke when it didn't <laughs> need to be in the movie. So I'm going to say that's a lot of screen time dedicated to these two just to pad out the running time. <laughs> if you haven't downloaded our Hocus Pocus episode from Patreon, please do. Fun episode. Um, I had I really liked it. Uh, so when the cat chewed on the wire and got electrocuted, and it's like this this time where people should be sad for the cat, and Eddie's like, "Whew, that cat had nine lives. It sure used them all." <laughs> oh, so when Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis enter the house with the gifts, and Ellen's like, "Oh, Aunt Bethany, you shouldn't have done that," and she's like, "Oh dear, did I break wind?" And Uncle Lewis is like. Like, Jesus, did the room clear out Bethany? Hell no. She means presents. You shouldn't have brought presents. (laughs) Okay. With much editing, I'm going to have to say that another one of my favorite quotes is Clark when he's asking for what he wants for Christmas. He says, hey, if any of you are looking for any last minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I'd like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big red ribbon on his head. And I want to look at him straight in the eye. And I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, beepless... Hopeless, heartless, fat, a bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey crap he is. Hallelujah. Holy crap. Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> I deserved a slow clap. You got through that on your, in one try. I'm impressed. That was tough. And I love the fact that when he's ranting through all of that, the whole time Cousin Eddie's thinking, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, that look on his face is the best because it is he's like, hmm. Yeah. I'm going back with Uncle with cousin Eddie again. Uh when he's talking about his daughter. He's like, Well, she falls down a well, her eyes go cross. She gets kicked by a mule, they go back. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I like when Clark's talking to the woman in the store and he was uh, just trying to play cool with her and he's just like oh I was just smelling smiling I was just blouse browsing I uh well I guess it just wouldn't it wouldn't be the Christmas shopping season if the stores were any less hooter than they hotter than they are phew it's warm in here isn't it you have your coat on yes oh I do yeah it's a bit nipply out I mean nippy what am I saying nipple <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, that's the purpose for that scene that I yeah. say that I could do without. Oh gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> uh, so I like when Clark um, reveals that his Christmas bonus is actually a one-year membership to the Jelly of the Month Club, <laughs> and Eddie goes, "Clark, that's a gift that keeps on giving all year." I like it when Eddie shows up with his boss, and uh, his boss said. I've never been treated like this in my life. And Alice says, I'm sorry. This is our family's first kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> that scene 
talk about favorite parts when the SWAT team or the boss's wife comes in mm-hmm. and he introduces them to her. The boss introduces him, them to her. Uh, Ellen has her hand on <laughs> Clark's crotch and she's like, nice to meet you. Sticks it out to shake his hand then puts it back on the crotch. Because they're supposed to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> I also love in that scene when it comes out that he cut the holiday, bo- the boss cut the holiday bonuses, that police chief or whatever he is, is like, man, if I had a rubber hose, I'd take you out back and beat the... <laughs> Such a random one-off quote, but... Oh, man, they should have got Reginald to play the cop. Tie it to oh, that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we mentioned earlier when Ellen goes to, uh, to... When she's trying to hide her smoking... And uh, she's upset. And uh, she says, I-, I don't know what to say, except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the, the antithesis of what we're supposed to get out of Christmas movies. I like when Audrey and Ellen are cutting up stuff for dinner in the kitchen the first night the family's in town. And Audrey is taking issue with the fact that Rust is going to have to share her bedroom. And she's like, do you- you sleep with your brother? Do you know how sick and twisted that is? And Ellen's like, well, I'm sleeping with your father. Don't be so dramatic. <laughs> and then Audrey also says, I have nightmares about what he does when I'm not lying. Next <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh. And the grandfather is looking up at that poster that's on the ceiling. Yeah. He's yeah. sleeping on the top bunk. And that- <laughs> poster that girl is on the ceiling <laughs> which i'll totally take audrey's side fair enough if you're sharing a room but they were a little old to be sharing a bed yes agree i like this so it's a sweet scene there's not really a technical quote to it but i like when clark gets stuck in the attic and finds the old presents and gets the old tapes out with that song in the background and he's reliving you know his christmases as a kid and i love that whole scene not just because he has like that turban on his head and those <laughs> women's gloves and he's wrapped in a fur but because like he's all soaked up in it and he and he it's just it, it shows that clark again he, he does it in a way that's Christmas really day. sweet but also yeah. he the way he's He's playing it for laughs too. Just how choked up he's getting over it. Like, yeah, I was, la- I was, I was laughing. Yeah, and I loved in that scene that. too when he's hiding. He's up there to hide the Christmas gifts, and he finds a little crawl space to put them in, and he pulls out a gift from Mother's Day from 1984. Yeah, yeah I really. Yeah, I love it. And plus, it's got him stepping on boards and hanging himself in the face. So honestly, it's got the slapstick, and then it's got yep. the funny, the sweet, sentimental stuff too. Uh, so the classic one that that I think is is probably what most people identify when they think of this movie is uh, Uncle Eddie out with holding the hose going down into the uh, sewer. And Todd, is it Todd or Margo? I don't remember. Anyway, the neighbors are outside, and it's over, and he's like, "Crapper's full." <laughs> <laughs> as if this is just a normal occurrence that we should be talking about in that short little bathrobe with the i love cousin eddie speaking of bathrobes i really liked clark's really girly bathrobe that he wore yeah. the pink one yeah um but i like when they find the perfect christmas tree out in the wilderness and clark is like the most enjoying traditions of the season are best enjoyed in the warm embrace of kith and kin. This tree is a thimble of the spirit of the Criswell family Christmas. 
I like it when uh, I'm going to steal it here for just a second. Yeah, please. I think I've got my last one when they're putting the lights on and uh, he plugs it in and they're supposed to go and, and uh, Beverly D'Angelo's dad says, uh, the lights, they aren't twinkling. And Clark says, I know Art, thanks for noticing. <laughs> because whenever something like that happens, first thing that happens, you've always got that one person to point it out for you. The, the wise mm, guy, true. yeah. But speaking of lights, I like when Bethany sees the house and she's like, is your house on fire, Clark? No, Aunt Bethany. <laughs> Those are Christmas lights. <laughs> um, the whole scene with the squirrel in the house is pretty unbeatable, especially the part where it's on his back and he's running up the stairs and you can see that squirrel tail like up the stairs when he's attached to Clark's back. But I'll piggyback off that scene, Julia, because I liked when Clark is like, where's Eddie? He usually eats these GD things. <laughs> and Catherine's like, not recently, Clark. He read that squirrels were high in cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> So when Eddie and his family first show up, you're surprised to see us, Clark. Oh, Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am now. (laughs) Another Clark and Eddie exchange. I can't believe you're standing here in my living room, Eddie. Never thought the day would come. And Eddie's like, yeah, I'm excited too. (laughs) (laughs) So I like it when they've finished decorating the house with lights and lights aren't working and clark goes russ we checked every bulb didn't we and rusty goes sure dad clark goes, mm, maybe we ought to just go up there and check and rusty's like oh whoo, look at the time i gotta get to bed i still gotta brush my teeth feed the hog still got some homework to do still got those bills to pay wash the car <laughs> and he's walking in as he does it so interesting thing about that he looks at his wrist um when he says look at the time and he does not have a watch on and I read some trivia that apparently that was an old Chevy Chase shtick that he's done throughout the years the whole looking at the wrist with no watch on oh that's cool so that was a that was a nod to Chevy Chase oh nice so when Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany arrive and Uncle Lewis is like hey Grizz Bethany and I figured out the perfect gift for you and Clark is like oh you didn't have to get me anything and Uncle Lewis is like damn it Bethany he guessed it Oh, and it was his toupee, right? When Clark took the hat, that the toupee came out. It was. Yes, it was. I love that. (laughs) I love that part. See, I liked Uncle Lewis. I didn't like Aunt Bethany. Well, so I like the Aunt Bethany Uncle Lewis interaction also when she goes, "What's that sound? You hear it?" It's a funny squeaky sound. And he's like, you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant with that <laughs> cigar in his mouth. I like when Clark is. is talking to his dad and he's like, our holidays are always such a mess. And his dad's like, oh yeah. And Clark is like, how'd you get through it? And his dad's like, I had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> I love Clark's dad. Yeah, he was really he was so sweet. They're yep. so supportive of him when he got his lights up there, but they wouldn't come on. And I can see it in my mind, and it's beautiful. Oh. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the final line of the movie, which almost redeemed the stupid patriotic ending in my mind. <laughs> but when Clark gets that final moment alone outside in the snow with the Christmas lights, and he's like, I did it just with a happy smile and like almost you can feel the relief in his voice as he says it like he threw the Christmas he wanted and we actually hit all the quotes on my three pages between the three 
Mine too. I'm out too. All right. So let's talk about whether this movie passes the Linus tests. I, I think uh, Anthony went ahead and gave us a, the quote that, that is the definite checkoff we needed. Yep. And that quote was? That quote was when they're staring out at the, what turns out to be the nuclear plant, but they think it's a, the Christmas star. Clark is like, it's a Christmas star, and that's all that matters tonight. Not bonuses or gifts or turkeys or trees. See, kids, it means something different to everybody, and now I know what it means to me. And this was after this, that showed his change because he spent the whole movie worrying about the bonus and trying to throw the perfect Christmas with the perfect tree and the perfect turkey and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Although, to play devil's advocate, he passes only after he gets his bonus check. <laughs> so, just saying. <laughs> Don't take this away from me. <laughs> You've already taken Todd and Margo away. Don't I, didn't, I didn't take them away. I was saying it was the director's fault for not taking them away. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> okay, so it passes the Linus test. It is very clearly a Christmas movie. So, final thoughts, and let's see where this movie ranks in the rest of ours. Anthony, what are your final thoughts about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I wish I discovered it earlier in life. Well, I knew, I, I knew about it. I wish I sat down to watch it earlier in life. I don't know why I didn't, again. I think it kind of goes back to what I said about Home Alone. I saw that a lot on TV when I was growing up, but I didn't sit down to watch it because when I was younger, I think I was more into the more magical side, like Santa and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. It is 100% part of my Christmas canon. I forget if it was you or Tom who said earlier in the episode, you could watch this anytime throughout the year, and that's totally true. Um, it's one of my, if I had my own Christmas ranking list that wasn't averaged out, it would be in my top five, my top three or four, no doubt. Um, yeah, I love this movie so much and, uh, I look forward to it every year. I was glad I got to watch it on the train and to work this morning. So yeah, I love it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's definitely the best of the vacation saga and it's definitely i would argue chevy chase's best film i would also argue that i wouldn't argue it i would just agree (laughs) it is chevy chase's best movie um i love it i love everything about it it's a it's a fun movie it's got all the warm feels and it makes me laugh and um there's humor for every age group it's great and i agree too i mean we all yeah we seem across the board to love this movie um it's one that I'm always genuinely excited to get out during Christmas. Even though I can watch it all year, I I get very excited to watch this one at Christmas time. So, and it feels a little Thanksgiving-y too. Oh, that's what I wanted to bring up. It is the perfect, if you're not going to watch any Christmas movie until Thanksgiving hits, because I know some people don't, though if you're listening to the podcast, you probably don't care. But if you're not going to watch any until Thanksgiving or you just want the perfect Christmas movie to watch Thanksgiving, this is it. I feel like you yeah. just said it's a very Thanksgiving-y Christmas movie. It's like the perfect transition between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like Nightmare was the perfect transition between Halloween and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so let's rank it. So, Anthony, how are you going to rank this movie? 
Oh, I can't really? believe I lost an entire point because really, of... uh, not just Aunt Bethany. I, oh, I thought you I, said it was solely Aunt Bethany that made no, you drop. Her patriotism lost an entire point. The other issues I had with it lost the other point five. Wow. So interesting. What about you, Tom? So, what did you say? Eight point two five. I'm giving it a 9.25. Nice. I'm giving it a 10. Nice. That brings us to nine and a quarter as an average. That does put it as number three. So number five is Home Alone. Number four is The Muppets Christmas Carol. Number three is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number two Two. is Santa Claus. Number one is Elf. And that's a pretty damn solid top five list. Yeah. if we, yeah, if I mean, we, we might put those five in different orders individually, but I think those five movies, yeah, totally solid. Yeah. So for the first time since we started, if, if this podcast were to end tomorrow, I would be happy with the, the list that we have. It's not my ideal list, but it's one that I can at least stand by. I could stand by the top five. I would yep. need to do two more, one more to get Arthur Christmas out of the top ten. I'm determined I, to rank I everything like, just low enough to make sure that that never happens. From now on, all I of my rankings like are going to get zero. we need a Christmas zero. and Hollis reference at this point. When Arthur Christmas comes up, Christmas and Hollis has to come up in some way. Just to bounce Man, it out. Anthony has become the troll. <laughs> he, has stole, he has stolen my troll from me. <laughs> As with every week, um, we're so thankful for y'all listening and going a step further and commenting and interacting with us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Reddit, um, leaving reviews on iTunes. It's exciting that we've gotten to a point where um, we can't read everything that people post because of time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. We really appreciate it. We do read everything and we try to interact on every comment. um, And we hope that y'all are seeing that. So keep it coming. Um, We do have a, believe a little bit from reddit and then an itunes review anthony is that right uh yeah we have one real comment from reddit and that was from disco 54 and he commented to um correct julia about a Mm. comment she made in the batman returns episode he said much as the pains me to disagree with julia i'm afraid she's wrong about not being able to scratch on cd djs have been scratching on cd for some time and then he linked us to a video of ruthless ramsey has changed the game even more than that. Yeah, I was not aware that you could fic a Wicca on a CD. <laughs> so, so, so Wicca, like, Wicca? <laughs> so like Batman and Alfred are supposed to be, they're very up to date on the technologies and futuristic technologies of the time and their capabilities. <laughs> they really are. I shouldn't have doubted. I shouldn't have doubted. Um, we also got one new iTunes review. Entitled Ms. MS, and it was rated five stars, and it was by a user called Kathy Westley. And she wrote, this is wonderful. I love Christmas movies, and I love their take on them. I think I've been waiting for this podcast for a very long time. So thank you, Kathy. That's a oh, that's wonderful sweet. sentiment. Woohoo! Yes, thank you. My friend Rebecca wanted me to inform you all, because I didn't know this either. There is another movie called I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's a Hallmark movie. Have you guys heard of it? Uh-uh. I have. Starring James Berlin and Mina Suvuri. Savari? Uh, Mina Savari? Yeah, there you go. But she said it looks super adorable. She hasn't seen it. So Tom, have you seen it? 
I have it. I just found it while I was looking for stuff for uh, uh, the last, the one that the JTT one that we reviewed. I have um, the Hallmark Channel on permanently <laughs> in our bedroom. So like every night when I go to bed, it's on in the background. And it's so funny how those movies bleed together because they're all pretty much the same thing. I think yeah, that he said it. White could... people there are in those movies. <laughs> it, my... <laughs> My my wife said my wife said you can take any Hallmark Christmas movie, search and replace the names and their careers and whatever little small town they're from and big city they moved to or are moving back home from and they're all exactly the same. Just throw in some little angel or Santa or somebody, then you have the perfect Hallmark movie. They're all the same. She's right. But Which you know, is my biggest atmosphere... issue with Hallmark movies. It is because it's they're so formulate, which they are. But the atmosphere is so great, and the lighting is completely unbelievable, but beautiful. And their makeup is always really nice, and their clothes are super cute. If always. you're gonna if you're gonna set a movie in a city, set it in a city you can pass off to look like that city. Shoot it in a city you can pass <laughs> off to look like the city you're setting it in. And we haven't gone to any Hallmark movies. I think we're gonna have a lot in the upcoming year, though. But <laughs> I sure hope I'm so. Just, I'm just going to say, I am going to be very harsh on a lot of Hallmark movies because I'll say this: as bad as movies like I'll Be Home for Christmas and Arthur Christmas and Santa Slay and stuff are, they're taking chances of new stuff. My biggest problem with Hallmark and with any formulaic movie regardless of the genre regardless of the network regardless of the studio is when they don't take chances and hallmark hasn't taken a chance in my mind in years so take that for what you will there's your little hook to see how i'll grade the hallmark movies you don't like the product placement i disagree (laughs) have you seen candace cameron burr she does christmas movies if that's not taking a risk i don't know what is anthony Uh, the whole cast of Full House does. I just saw a promo for one with Jody Sweetin earlier today. No, really? Yeah, no, seriously, no joke. Lori Loughlin's got a couple. She definitely has a couple. Basically, every has-been 90s TV star has done a Hallmark movie by now. I saw one with Jane Seymour the other day. Yep. Was it good? She was a queen of some sort. No. (laughs) So, Anthony, uh, you mentioned earlier... A, something about Patreon. Can you tell me what is this Patreon you speak of? We have five patrons now, by the way. That's the first time I've looked at this in a while. That's Yay. exciting. We do. It's very That's exciting. exciting, considering we don't do much to plug it other than mention it every episode. So with Patreon, um, it's a great way for you to help support what we're doing um, and helping us to grow the podcast uh, with a small donation as little as a dollar a month. And for that, you get all sorts of cool pri- cool gifts from us. We're going to be sending out Christmas cards in the next couple of weeks to all of our Patreons. Uh, we're in the process of finalizing a design. Uh, actually, by the time this airs, hopefully it'll be uh, finalized and ordered for our vinyl stickers so that we can get those sent out. And we'd really like to do some more swag and uh, work on upgrading some of our equipment to make our podcast even a, a, a little more. To make it even better than it already is. So... You just go to Patreon, search Tis the Podcast, and like I said, it's as little as a dollar a month. Um, and know that everything you do helps, and we really appreciate you. Although, um, we still need to find a way to pay back Anthony and Julia for their horrible movie purchases, <laughs> rentals. So, we ask every week, but um, we ask because it is 
it's important. Um, if you could take the time as, as you listen to the podcast to rate us, if you haven't already, um, ratings in the iTunes music store, as well as on all of the other podcast hosting services you might use, um, help our podcast be more visible in searches. So um, if you haven't yet, please take the time to rate and review us. You can also rate and review us on Facebook and um, be sure to like our social media pages like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, um, as well as sharing, telling your friends and subscribing. So next okay. week we're doing one of my absolute favorite Christmas movies of all times. Um, just, I I'm really excited. We're doing uh, Rankin Bass's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we have a guest host with us, Brian from uh, Christmas Past Podcast, which if you've spent any time in the Christmas podcast world, you've come across Brian, no doubt. He is kind of the uh, grandfather or the godfather of Christmas podcasting. So we're really excited to have him on and his, get, his, get his input. So, You know what else I'm excited for about next week? The fact that Charlie Brown will probably have some company on our second Christmas canon list. Yay, because it's so lonely on its own list right now. It is. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm just putting it out there in my opinion. I hope Charlie Brown isn't getting too comfortable at number one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he going down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a question for this week. I've noticed that the older you get, time goes faster and faster. And the older I get between Thanksgiving and Christmas is like a snap. And it's over and there's nothing sadder than when Christmas is over and all you have to look forward to is winter. So I was curious and I actually don't have a personal answer to this question, but I was wondering if y'all do and our listeners as well. Is there anything special that you do to make the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas slow down or be more special aside from just regular Christmas festivities? I think it's impossible to slow that time down. I, if there is a way, I don't know. It's too eight. We're recording this a week before Thanksgiving, and I'm already – time is just flying by so fast. I'm inundated with Christmas stuff already. Not that I'm complaining. I love it all. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think there is a way to slow it down. And I don't think there's the way – I don't think I would necessarily want to at the expense of, like – I feel like the more exciting Christmassy stuff you do, obviously the faster the time is going to go within those four weeks. So I wouldn't want to slow it down because I want to fit as much into those four weeks as possible because you have such a small window of time before normal people take the decorations down and just transition to Valentine's Day or whatever the department stores transition to after Christmas. And um, mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I don't know. I just spend the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas doing as much Christmas stuff as I can. Um, visiting the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and going skating, ice skating under it and going to see Santa Claus at Macy's and all that cool stuff. Sleigh riding through Central Park. All that fun oh stuff. Oh my goodness, that sounds so magical. So for us, um, we observe uh, the traditional Christmas period, which is from Christmas until uh, January 6th. And uh, we really, so we get to extend our celebrating. And the good thing about that, um, aside from, you know, it's, it's historical connection to, to Christmas celebration, um, things are a lot slower than there's a lot less going on. Um, so we get to just kind of take our time and enjoy our family during that period. 
Um, we, we always do our Christmas, our family Christmas party. Where we invite all of our friends over during that period. Um, and one thing we do that's kind of fun, we do a uh, white elephant gift exchange, but everybody has to bring their least favorite gift they got for Christmas. So um, awesome. it's so much fun, but you get to see how weird people's families and friends are with gift giving, which is, which is just a, it's a riot. That's fun. Yeah, we're going to, um, so we, we, we really um, continue the, the celebration um, for another almost two weeks after most people have already given up. Oh, I like that. Christmas in my household is to January 6th as well. Good man, Anthony. Good man. I feel like um, crafting with the kids, like all of us at the table, is about the only thing I can think of right off that really slows time down a little bit, you know, and makes us appreciate it more. But I just wish there was another way I could slow it down because it goes by too fast. That's why we have so many, I think, well, a look, a peek into the future for you guys, a month, the January, the month of January is going to be the back to work Christmas movie themed month, starting with the office Christmas episodes. And we picked such a funny themed episode for that first one in January to lighten the mood a little bit because we're all going to be suffering those close Christmas blues and it'll be good. It'll be fun. We'll all get through the 365 days after Christmas together and it'll be nice. (laughs) Such a big number. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not looking forward to counting that down. No, me either. So anybody listening, um, let us know if you have any secret tricks, super special tricks to slowing that time down or savoring it more um, fun traditions even. And let us know what you thought of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, including some of your favorite scenes and quotes. And looking ahead to next week, um, your thoughts and what you love about Rudolph. Um, Any questions you might want to ask Brian from Christmas Past as well. Guys, we are officially under a month until Christmas. We are only 28 days away from Christmas. 27 until Santa's going to visit you. Get excited, guys. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. So excited. I'm excited. Well, until next week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, Felicia. Everybody knows there's not a better time of year. Hear that sleigh, Santa's on his way. Hip hip hooray for Christmas vacation. Got a ton of stuff to celebrate. Now it's getting closer, I can't wait. This old house sure is looking good. Got ourselves to find.